0: Good Morning Nancy is a horror movie podcast, and it may not be for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Good morning, Nancy. My name is Gracie. And I'm Abby. And if you're new to the show, welcome. This is Season 4, Episode 8, and we're so excited for you to join us.
1: Gracie and I have been friends since forever, and we love talking about our favorite horror movies together and with you. All while drinking a nice cup of coffee. Today we'll be discussing the 2017 social horror film, Get Out. It was written and directed by Jordan Peele, and it stars Danielle Kaluuya, Allison Williams, Bradley Whitford, Lil Ray Howrie, and Katherine Keener. We're not shy about spoilers,
0: so if you haven't seen this film, we highly suggest that you pause the show and watch it first. Still here? Okay, cool. Let's get this morning started. So, writer director Jordan Peele had previously worked in comedy before producing Get Out. Yes. Stating that, (laughs) horror and comedy are actually quite similar, that they both depend on a quote-unquote reveal in order to work. He began writing the script for Get Out 10 years before it was even released. Whoa. He said, quote, I felt that if I got one thing wrong, the whole thing would fall apart like a house of cards. I constantly had to step away from the script as a writer and really experience it as an audience member. That's something that you have to do with every film, but with this one, I felt it couldn't be just a lecture or a series of dark ideas. It had to be a fun movie, a movie that even if you don't want to go to the movies and think hard, you can still get an emotional ride and a fun experience." Hmm. So the title Get Out comes from a riff in Eddie Murphy's 1983 stand-up, Delirious, in which he talks about white people not leaving haunted houses.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's incredible.
0: So Peele said that he wanted to make a film for Black audiences who gravitate toward horror films, but often are frustrated with unrealistic decisions made by the lead characters. Hmm. Keegan Michael Key, Peel's comedy partner from the show Key and Peel, introduced Peel to horror producer Sean McKittrick, telling him that Jordan Peel was a huge horror nut and he had some great ideas. Peel and Kittrick met for coffee, and Peel pitched the idea for Get Out. Kittrick loved the pitch and offered to buy it right then and there and asked Peel to write it. The first draft of the script, of course, was done in two months. So I'm guessing he was writing it for those 10 years. And then when he was told that it's time to make it, he was like, well, it's already done. nice, (laughs) Basically done. Yeah. So he... Took all of his ideas those past 10 years and wrote that first script that they looked at um, in two months. That's awesome. Holy cow. So the 1975 film, The Stepford Wives, and 1968's Rosemary's Baby, which were both based on books by Ira Levin, provided Peel with inspiration for Get Out. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later. Principal photography began in February of 2016 in Alabama and ended just 23 days later, right on schedule. Whoa. Holy
1: cow. Yeah.
0: Peele was worried about the film's chances of success, telling the LA Times, what if white people don't want to come see the movie because they're afraid of being villainized with black people in the crowd? What if black people don't want to see the movie because they don't want to sit next to a white person (gasps) while a black person is being victimized on screen?
1: Wow that's I mean oh, it's a good man. question yeah
0: Peel's fears were unwarranted because the film was a major success. Get out grossed 176 million in the United States and Canada and 79.4 million in other territories for a worldwide gross of 255.5 million against a production budget of a measly 4.5 million.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Deadline Hollywood calculated the net profit of the film to be $124.8 million when factoring together all expenses and revenues, making it the 10th most profitable release of 2017. Yes. Critics praised the film's screenplay, direction, performances, and the satirical themes. Mary Elizabeth Williams of Salon.com said, quote, by focusing the storyline on a particular form of racism, the kind that's often disguised as peculiar envy, Get Out reveals something more insidious, it was chosen by the National Board of Review, the American Film Institute, and Time as one of the top 10 films of the year. At the 90th Academy Awards, it was nominated for four awards, winning the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay by, of course, Jordan Peele. Nice. With
1: that said, Abby, could you please remind us all of the plot? Of course. Chris and Rose, an interracial couple from the city, take a weekend trip to the countryside to meet Rose's parents, Dean and Missy. When they arrive, they seem to be overly accommodating and do their best to ensure Chris, who is black, that they are quote-unquote woke white people and they're totally down with Rose's relationship with him. However, things at the Armitage household don't seem quite right to Chris, between the way he is treated, to their black house and groundskeepers acting quite odd, to the obviously racist white guests at their annual family party. Chris believes there is some kind of conspiracy going on, and it turns out he is right. Rose's father, a neurosurgeon, has been transplanting the brains of white people into black people's bodies with the help of Missy and her hypnotism techniques rose is a human trap literally bringing black men to her father via phony relationships to be used as a host body for the armitage's white friends chris manages to escape from the armitages after his body is almost taken killing the entire family on his way out escaping the clutches of white privilege and putting an end to the armitage's sick plot whoa (laughs) okay so the
0: Bechtel test yes it passes There are a few conversations between Missy, Rose, and Georgina that are not about men, Mm, but they're few and far between, and they're usually just like a sentence or two. Okay, so Nancy's dream team test. Was the supporting cast at least 50% women? No. Did a woman write, direct, or produce the film? No. No. But I don't want to overlook the fact that this horror film was written and directed by a man of color. Mm. And I think that it's important for us to recognize how amazing that is. Yes, super important. Yes, very important. So there you go. Was the final girl a person of color? Yes. And Jordan Peele said when watching a black man in a horror flick, he said to the New York Times, he knows, quote, it's just a matter of time until Tyrone walks away to smoke some weed or pee or something and gets macheted. Oh, no. It used to come right at the moment when you know everyone's going to die. But you definitely know the final girl is not going to be the black dude. And then he continued and he said, quote, get out, subverts the narrative. Daniel Kaluuya is the final girl yes yes is right it's amazing yes okay were there any openly lgbtq characters in the film actually i wrote no but then i just remembered that the we don't know her name but she is the woman whose body is taking is taken over by georgina yes it's a very small, subtle thing, but there is that woman who is unfortunately nameless in the film, uh, as she is of the LGBTQ community. Wow, good catch. Holy cow. Yeah. So there you go. So, discussion. Hmm. Lack of representation. Ooh. And you guys know, as I (laughs) sigh heavily, that although horror films are really great for women, it's mostly white women. Right. It's a very white-dominated genre. Jordan Peele said, quote, I also think that this movie is very much about the lack of representation of black people in the genre. He goes on and says, certainly of black protagonists in the genre. I wanted this movie to address the notion that this character can be the most perceptive character in the film, that the lead in this situation can be smart, make informed decisions and not fall into the same old horror trope of being a dumbass. This movie, besides being about race within the plot, was for me about filling in a gap within the genre and for honoring what all horror audience want from a lead character, which is someone intelligent and perceptive.
1: Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> like, I am really excited to see what comes next um, as far as horror, like, from him. Because I love the way that his characters were written because he doesn't insult the audience. And I know that we've talked about that before on the show about like, okay, I get what's happening. You don't need to overly explain it kind of thing. So.
0: Right. Yeah. With this movie, he has us all kind of going on the same journey. Yes. Everything is revealed to us, the audience, Mm -hmm. when Chris is figuring it out yes yes oh so, so good. it's not like the audience is smarter than the person on screen yes. like we are going through all of the reveals with chris and we're all sort of in the same boat and even if we kind of have an idea of what's about to happen like chris has sort of an idea of what's going on mm-hmm. he is also in the world and we are just observing right so for us to kind of go like something's going on with these people scientists like something is going on (laughs) medically with these people yeah he being in the film uh, as a character i mean think of being in that situation yourself i don't wanna no but i know but (laughs) i'm trying to say like no yeah we would never think like this uh, their bodies are being switched around like you know because you you live in it right so it makes sense for us to sort of like have figured out kind of like what's happening but uh, for him to be like, nah, that's too crazy, yeah, you know? Yeah, So, Ooh, I love it. yes. Interestingly, Get Out star Daniel Kaluuya isn't American. He's hmm. English. And Jordan Peele said early on, he said, I had a Skype session with him and I expressed my concerns. I said, quote, look, this is about being black in America, And Daniel assured me that though being African American is, of course, a unique experience, it's not far off from race in the UK. Mm. Obviously, Abby and I are both white women. We don't understand what it's like to be a minority. So this is all, of course, as you guys have noticed already, quotes from other people. So in a recent radio interview, Samuel L. Jackson complained that Get Out star Daniel Kalula was British, saying that an African-American actor would have been better suited for the role. He went on to lament the prevalence of black British actors currently employed in Hollywood. He said, they're cheaper than us. And then he said, he united, like, r- racialism with its perfect complement, nationalism.
1: Guys, let us know what you think. Well, obviously, it was a lot harder for actors, but kind of back in the day when Samuel L. Jackson was really, like, cranking out all these movies and stuff, I'm oh, yeah. sure it had to be very, very difficult for him.
0: Is, his experience is different from Peel's and Kaluuya's experience yeah, just exactly. anyway. Yeah, that's what's so difficult about these this conversation is because I mean, for us, like we don't understand. Mm-hmm. But um everyone's experience in life is so different that you can't please everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can try, but you it's You can try, but there's always gonna be <laughs> Yes,
0: there's always gonna be one person who's like, but I don't agree with it because this. Yes. And that's because they've experienced something different. hmm So Like I said, guys, let us know. All of those quotes were from an article by Hiram Lee. So if you'd like to read the whole thing, check it out in our show notes. Yeah. So this sort of like starts connecting with like the Stepford Wives um, because Jordan Peele said that it's a horror movie, but it has a satirical premise. Like it's something that could just never happen. It's so outrageous. Right. But the metaphors in it are very much a real thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know, The Stepford Wives is about a town called Stepford. A family moves there and the woman in the family, the wife, she is starting to notice like some of her friends who have also just moved there are becoming very robotic quite literally and they are become like hyper feminine and they are starting to care more about doing the dishes they're like over sexualized and they are just different Mm -hmm. and so she ends up finding out that the gentlemen's club in Stepford have been turning all of the wives into nannies for the kids they are housekeepers for the house and then of course they are dolls to have sex with Mm -hmm. So obviously you you listen to that and you hear like, okay, that's very similar to Get Out Mm -hmm. in a way. So as the film Get Out deals with racism, Peele has stated that the story is very personal, although he noted that it quickly veers off from anything autobiographical. So Peele said on the DVD commentary, the Stepford Wives meets the help. That is Get Out. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The importance of making a specifically horror genre film about race, in his opinion, is that the subject hadn't been touched, not since Night of the Living Dead almost 50 years ago. Whoa. So, according to Michael Jarvis, no relation to me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Michael Jarvis said in his article, Peel's intention, as he has stated in interviews, was to recreate the paranoid horror of the Levin narratives in the sense that the protagonist is rational and therefore self-doubting. Right. (gasps) That scares the crap out of me. Yes. That's something that scares me.
1: It's also heartbreaking to see him throughout the film like not speak up and not say anything because he's like oh well if i say this they're gonna think i'm crazy kind of thing yeah. like it's so sad it's so the sad the only
0: time he can even talk to anybody
1: is his friend mm-hmm. uh, who was like yeah duh i told you all along <laughs> like you're and not he's crazy like, i gotta go
0: and hangs up yeah <laughs> it's like we just told you <laughs> But it's so it's so crazy. You can't even believe it. You know, yeah. like, that's what's so funny. um So I don't know about the original Stepford Wives, but I know that the remake, which came out in 2004, got a lot of heat because critics were like, it's a post-feminist world. Like, things are fine now. Why are all these women still making a fuss over these false ideologies and whatever? It's
1: so stupid.
0: The the Stepford is all about like women's rights and like women the choice to do what they want to do instead of being made to do it and like this film is all about like racism in a quote unquote post racism world Mm because Obama's been elected racism is over (laughs) And I would have voted for Obama again if I could have (laughs) it's just so crazy because it's like the white family's missteps are all like well intended like going back to, like, the white liberalism, it's, like, the dad says, like, Dean, the dad, he's like, I would have voted for Obama, right? Like you said. And (laughs) then, like, he says about Chris and Rose, like, how long has this
1: thing been going on? Oh, my God. And it's so cringe. Yes. So, listen, there was... um, I was telling Gracie about a podcast that I discovered called Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Yeah. And they talk about this uh, during the scene where Rose um kind of interjects with like that interaction with the police officer like asking him like oh why do you need to see his id blah 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 and chris is just kind of like no no it's okay like it's here's my id like you can look at it the the guys on that podcast talk about how like they would have been upset if that was them in his shoes because you kind of make it more difficult for them in the long run. Like, you're making it more than it has to be kind of a thing. Right. And
0: we end up finding out her real intentions. Exactly. But it's disguised as her being helpful. Right. And he even says, like, that was sexy. And I think the guys in the podcast were like, why did, huh?
1: Yeah. They were like, (laughs) why? We would have been so upset about that.
0: (laughs) What the even heck. So... Uh, going back to the dad, he <laughs> he also says some things that are like he goes like I I know it's like a cliche like I hate how it looks that we have a white that we're a white family with black servants. He's like. You know, like they helped take care of my dying parents and they're like family and I couldn't let them go after
1: my parents left. And I have like secondhand embarrassment. Like, why are you talking about this? Stop it. Right. (laughs) Just stop talking. But
0: actions speak louder than words. And. The fact they, without, before we know what's going on, it's like, yeah, but you did keep them on. Oh, yeah, but you, Uh, yeah. They aren't, like, family because they're working for you. Right. But it's just, like, they're acting weird and they're saying weird things. And it's, like, they're saying very cringy things. And they have, like, these intense microaggressions. Yes. That make everybody, including the audience, uncomfortable. (sighs) You know, they don't make Chris feel unwelcome because mm-hmm. he's, you know, but he, they, but, but saying those little those little needle
1: pricks yes. of words are just enough to like... It's like giving a backhanded compliment. Like, and I don't know about you, but I've definitely been in that circumstance too, where you like overhear a conversation between people and you're just like, what? What are you doing? And you feel like, oh, it just makes you feel so icky. Like, oh, man. Good Morning Nancy is proudly sponsored by Recess Coffee. We wouldn't be able to create such great content
0: without being fueled by their magical beans. And the great part is, is that each batch of coffee is locally artisanally roasted, and it comes from fair trade farmers. Gracie, what's your favorite blend? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so my favorite blend is the Westcott blend. It has African and Indonesian beans mixed to create a clean, rich, and full-bodied cup of coffee. Mm. It has a rich floral vanilla aroma with a sugared
1: almond flavor and a lemon finish. Yum. Oh, delicious. My favorite is the Austin's blend. It's a unique blend of African, Indonesian, and Central American beans roasted to create a characteristically rich, dark, and smoky cup. It has a bold roasted nut aroma with chocolate flavors and a smooth, fruity finish. The coffee is seriously so good. I don't even have to put any cream or sugar in it. I just drink it black like my soul. (laughs) So guys, head on over
0: to RecessCoffee.com to order yours today.
1: Or if you're a Syracuse local, stop by either shop at 110 Harvard Place or 110 Montgomery Street. So drink coffee, shoot lightning. Now back to the show.
0: So, Peel said in an interview for NPR on Terry Gross, he said, part of being black in this country, and I presume being any minority, is constantly being told that we're seeing racism where there just isn't racism. (laughs) I mean, this movie came out at the perfect time.
1: It sure did. It
0: came out, I mean, I think um, Jordan Peel. well, he must have wrote it during... The Obama era. Yes. But it's just so perfect that it came out in February of 2017. Mm. Mm -hmm. And Trump had won.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And we were all just sort of in this in between world of Obama and Trump.
1: Yeah. Like this
0: limbo. And then Get Out comes out. And it's just like, it helps us like check ourselves almost. Yes. Yep. That's why horror is so important because it's like, There's this shiny facade of like a liberal humanism, right? Mm -hmm. Where it was like, yeah, like Obama was great and everyone was happy and like everybody got along and racism is dead. And then Trump gets elected and then we're just like, oh.
1: Yeah, I remember a lot of comments being like, oh, get ready to go back in time like 300 years. (laughs) And I was like, well. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we'll talk a little bit about like
0: how this movie isn't even about Trump; it's about white liberals, right? And it's mostly our fault.
1: It really is because so. it's kind of disguised by good intentions, which is exactly. the entire theme of this movie. Absolutely,
0: so. yeah. Ugh. And I mean that's why horror is so important because it validates our anxieties and our deepest fears. All right, so let's talk a little bit about eyes because eyes are a huge part of this film. Mm-hmm. And Hudson, who is the blind art dealer, his character says, I could give a what color you are. No, what I want is deeper. I want your eye, man. I want those things you see through. You know, Chris is like, well, it's because I'm black. And he's like, no, it's not. I don't care. I just want your eyes. And it's like, he's literally colorblind. And that is the whole, like, white liberalism, like, Race racism is dead. Like I don't see color when I see people. I just see
1: humans, and it's like with that sentiment, that's not realistic. Can't. It's not. Right.
0: <laughs> it's just not realistic. And that's him. Like he he is the just the metaphor for like I don't see color. I just see this. You're st- you're still hurting people though, or and that's what's
1: happening. It's like when people are kind of like, you know, oh, I would give anything to know what it's like to be in your shoes. And if only I could see it from your perspective and feel what you feel and stuff like that. And I don't really, that's not the goal here of what black people are saying in this country. Like, have you ever read the book Black Like Me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And then it's like,
0: he goes through this whole experience and he's like, well, that was crazy. And then he just is white again. And then he never has to worry about it ever again. Yep. And I was like, (sighs) (laughs)
1: that's exactly what i was like too so (laughs) it's really
0: crazy because it's uh, it's just Mm crazy and it's this whole like post-racial whiteness like i'm not like those guys they're racist Uh, you've heard me say this everybody's a little bit racist it's true and the, so to say that you don't see color and to say that you don't, that there's a bl- the blindness metaphor, like I'm blind to that kind of stuff. It's no, you're not.
1: Like you can't admit when you're wrong or you can't admit when you're flawed. So you can never get better. People who realize that racism in, is an issue across the board are l- l- like you can accept it and say, OK, I know that this is a problem, but what do I need to do to get better? Or right. what? can I consider in order to improve that kind of thing? I just like, "Mm." right. Like
0: Hudson, the blind art dealer, he thinks he understands, but he just has no clue. Yeah. He just thinks that, well, like Chris's eye is all that matters, but it's like, but that has everything to do with like who he is. Like that's his identity, Mm -hmm. but it's like his identity comes from everything else in his life, including, his blackness. Yes. And it's like, but he's like, oh, but I don't see that. And yeah, it's because
1: like, if you look at the images and like what Chris actually captures. And what he cares about. Yeah. His photography is literally what you just said. So... Even if, he, even if this transplant were to be successful, I feel like he would still suck as an artist because he's not getting what he actually wants. He doesn't have those experiences.
0: Of course, we all know the eyes are the gateway to the soul, right? <laughs> and you know what's so crazy is that the eyes are a big thing in Stepford Wives as well. Because mm-hmm. in Stepford, at least, I don't remember in the in the new one but i know in the original the robots have the real eyes of the women Mm -hmm. which is like the one real thing about them which is like crazy um and also the promotional material for this film always had the picture of Chris like wide-eyed and crying when he's being hypnotized yeah and like I said earlier like Chris's eyes are just a huge part of his identity and you know like Missy like closes them like after she's like hypnotized him and he's in the sunken place like right before he wakes up Mm -hmm. the next day and he doesn't want to smoke anymore Mm -hmm. like her closing his eyes is like the that traps him so it's like her like taking away how he views the world mm-hmm. is like her way of silencing him yes. just in general.
1: Yes.
0: Oh. Oh my God. And freaking the camera phone again. This movie came out at just the right moment when like we see him like take a picture of uh the character Logan, which isn't his real name. That's the character. That's the old man that is taking over him. Mm-hmm. Was it Andre? Andre. Yeah. Yes and chris is trying to take a photo it takes a picture with the flash and the flash goes off and that triggers him to come out of that trance and to like tell him to get out like he realizes he awakens right Mm -hmm. and that's like us as a society like watching these videos of people being abused by the
1: police or people being like that's like i just got chills thinking about that like we're finally seeing what is really happening and we're using technology to do it. So that was probably like, well, I, I can't say for sure, but that was how he kind of integrated that into the film was like, you have all these tools at your disposal and all you, all it takes is a second to change things. And it's like, yes,
0: and to, and to help people and to and to. And to call out the people who have done wrong. Yeah. And like the whoa. dependence on images to help bring justice to those who have been killed or discriminated
1: against is like, it's just so we can all see like this is the truth. Well, now police have to have dash cams and like cameras on their should. bodies and stuff like that, too. So, right. whoa. Yeah, it's wild. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to racism
0: is over. Not. It's not over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> psych. Psych. Dang. People still are garbage. Yeah. So Jordan Peele said, quote, I felt like the fear of being the outsider, the fear of unwanted attention, and ultimately the fear of race or racial dynamics is universal. But I haven't really seen that in a film before. I wanted to change anybody who feels like they are not racist to really look at how they are defining the word racist. And speaking on BuzzFeed podcast, Jordan Peele explained that when he began making the film, people were saying, Obama's elected, racism is
1: over. That's a wrap. Okay.
0: Yeah. And I can see how that would be like a huge inspiration to just start this. Because he was like, no, actually, it's not. And yeah, he actually envisioned a much bleaker ending. So in the end... Chris just kills everyone. Yep. And it looks like a police car pulls up. hmm And he's like, oh, my gosh. And he, like, raises his arms. And Rose, who's just hanging on by a thread, is like, help me. And it's his friend who works for TSA.
1: Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes.
0: And so it's like, <gasps> woof. like, yes. it's his friend. And yep. he's come to save him. So in the original script, it was actually, it was the police officer the one who stopped them with the deer. <sighs> yeah. And he arrests him and he goes to jail. But yeah, Jordan Peele is like, I have to
1: change this. <laughs> yes. I'm so, so, so glad that he did. I
0: am too, because
1: it gives us all like just this little glimmer of hope. And I feel like this film is kind of like the turning point for a lot of people to who see it to just be like, no, like this cycle needs to end like yes. immediately. And like going back to like white liberalism, this film is not
0: about the easy target, which is racist Trump voters. Yeah. The supposed allies against racism are the danger. Yes. It's the roses for like, why do you need to do this? Why do you need to say that? Or like the microaggressions or like trying to like code switch in situations or like making
1: black people feel like they have to code switch. Well, we all know that those people are racist. We know because they're vocal about it and they have to open their mouth and just talk and talk and talk. But like you said, yeah, because
0: like some people like people think like Jordan. Okay, so Jordan Peele said some people think that a white supremacist is the definition of a racist person. But I'm trying to point out with this movie is that there is a spectrum of actions that are all connected to the same sense of tribalism and otherness that is racism. And that there's a system in place that at this point that perpetuates itself. We're not going to get anywhere if we don't include ourselves as possible racists. Unquote.
1: Nailed it. Yeah. Hands down.
0: Good job, Jordan Peele. He said it, on me. Yeah.
1: Well. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And
0: I mean, like the we're like I said, we're at fault. Like we're all at fault. Yeah. And. It's, I'm not going to pretend that I'm the squeaky clean person knowing everything. I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're, we're at a very ignorant standpoint right now. And all we can do is learn and help and be the best that we can be.
1: And start discussions so that people can tell us, you know, hey, this is not right or, you know. Right. Yeah. That's always important too, is to just keep your, keep an open mind and always be willing to learn and educate yourself. So. Yes, absolutely. And realize that like not everyone's experience is the same,
0: even if they come from a very similar background. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and you can never know that
0: until the conversation starts. So you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the psychology of slavery in this film. Mm -hmm. Victoria Anderson of The Conversation said in her article, quote, what has often been missed in the discourse around slavery and the persistence of post-slavery power relations is the strategic and enduring psychology of slavery. It is this elusive quality that Peel's film manages to capture, unquote. Mm-hmm. So Abby, you're more about psychology than I am. So could you <laughs> I do kinda, love it? <laughs> you do. Yes. Could you kind of tell me a little bit about what you found in your research about the psychology of slavery?
1: Yeah, so this was actually a topic that we had talked about when I was in college and stuff too, Um, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand with a a study uh, called epigenetics. Mm -hmm. So that's a a super simplified definition. Um, It's the study of biological mechanisms that will switch genes on and off. A good example would be like there was a case study about children who were growing up during 9-11 and how those events affected them later on. I can't give you like a direct quote right now. I'm paraphrasing, but basically what scientists found was that it was directly linked to like anxiety and depression and like stress and how people react to stress. So, there was another really good article that I found and it says, "Quote, Dr. Rachel Yehuda, I believe is how you pronounce her name, professor of psychiatry at econ school of medicine at mount sinai conducted a depth of research into epigenetics and intergenerational transmission of trauma i know that sounds like a mouthful but in layman's terms she is researching how serious incidents of trauma i.e slavery holocaust etc and post-traumatic stress disorder can be passed down through generations in shared family genes
0: Whoa! yeah
1: dude it's nuts Her research has revealed that when people experience trauma, it changes their genes in a very specific and noticeable way. So when those people have children and their genes are passed down to their children, they also inherit the genes affected by trauma. Yehuda, who was born in Israel and lived in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, first tested her theory out in a small control group of her neighbors who had survived the Holocaust. What she found is that Holocaust survivors had a very similar hormonal profile to Vietnam veterans suffering from PTSD. Our brains have a region called the amygdala, which performs the primary roles of processing memory, emotional reactions, and even threat detection. PTSD causes the amygdala to kick into overdrive. It wasn't until years later, after a meeting with the child of a Holocaust survivor, that she decided to test if these traits were passed down through the generations. And her study confirmed what she thought. So it's pretty wild. Socialist Dr. Joy DeGroy, I think is how you say that, played off the wi- widely accepted term post traumatic stress disorder to create the phrase post traumatic slave disorder to address the specific trauma suffered by the descendants of black slaves. If the Holocaust caused immense emotional, physical, and psychological effects intense enough to cause trauma in the survivors, then the abject horrors and brutality suffered by slaves is more than likely to have the same effects on black slavery descendants worldwide. Dr. DeGroy's definition of PTSD falls in line with all the horrific circumstances that can arise out of being subject to extreme anguish and distress. And that came from an article in Teen Vogue. How friggin' crazy is that? That just blew my mind. It is proven by science that the effects of slavery in this country are still felt. Like, it has a ripple effect through the generations that you would not even believe. And if you're interested in learning more about that, there are a ton of articles and like peer-reviewed journalism and stuff like that that's out there, that exists. Because, I mean... If we're studying the effects of people during 9-11, mm-hmm. there's no reason why we shouldn't be studying that kind of stuff. So it, like literal science people. If if you come across someone who is like slavery ended hundreds of years ago, we don't have to worry about racism anymore. No, that's false because it has biologically affected people. Jeez. Yeah. OK, so say goodbye to the white savior trope.
0: Bye. (laughs) So Peel cites that like Kevin Costner in Hidden Figures and Brad Pitt in 12 Years a Slave saying that like although he liked those movies, he points out that the role of those characters is to speak to the white audience and say, hey, guess what? This is you. You're not racist. You're trying to help. (sighs) It's a form of like reassurance to remind white people that they aren't racist. Mm. (laughs) because for some reason Hollywood can't seem to wrap their head
1: around just showing terrible white people. I'm sure it was a little bit different for you because you were homeschooled and stuff like that, but in public school when we talked about the Civil War and slavery and all kinds of stuff, we would have like these movie days where the teachers would find... Either like recent movies or we would watch like Roots or something like that or like Amistad. I definitely watched Roots. Heck yes. But I didn't realize until I was older, but those movies focused primarily on white people who were fighting to end slavery. They barely touched on the subjects of black people who were involved in the movements. And that is wild to me. But I, it's important to be
0: accurate. and these films are sort of like, look, there were some nice white people then, too. There's people part of the Underground Railroad who were helping, but it's like that's this is not their story. Exactly. So the audience expects Rose to be the hero and to save her boyfriend from her racist family and friends. And guess what? No. She is just as bad, if not worse. So, Allison Williams, who plays Rose, said in a 2017 interview with Seth Meyers, she said, quote, people would come up to me and say, she was hypnotized, right? And I'm like, no, she's just evil. <laughs> How hard is that to accept? She's bad. We gave you so many ways to know that she's bad. And the people there, they're still like, but maybe she's also a victim? Ugh. And I'm like, no. <laughs> And I will say that it's 100% white people who say that to me, unquote. Oh, man. And all of the white people in this film are evil. Mm -hmm. And before Get Out, making a movie where a black man kills a white family in the end, even if they are wildly evil, was unheard of. Yeah. And Rose could also be like an example of white feminism, where totally. she only cares about Chris's well-being when it aligns with her own beliefs. Mm-hmm. Feminism only works
1: when we all have the same opportunities. Feminism is not a way for you to get ahead in life or for you to align with a certain group because it makes you look cool. Like, No,
0: feminism <laughs> is just
1: trying to make sure everybody
0: has the same opportunity, which is sort of like what people want America to be like. Is what we uh, keep saying, like America yeah. is. America's the land of opportunity. And it's like, well, then everybody in America should be a feminist. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's not that hard. Okay. Oh. So according to the New York Times, director Jordan Peele wants the audience to see Rose as what she is, a 21st century equivalent of the plantation owner who studies the teeth and muscles of the human beings he is about to buy at a slave market. And that's what she is. Like she plays into the familiar plantation trope and she has these eerie pictures of the people that she has wronged and she's online weirdly looking for like the next person to like trap and it's gross and it's terrible. And the sunken place that uh Chris, our lead character, falls into when he's under hypnosis is also sort of a metaphor for you watch it all happen but you can't do anything about it. Right.
1: It's that state of like helplessness.
0: Yes, the state of helplessness. Mm. Exactly, yeah. And, of course, like, there's the more of the slavery subtext is hinted in, like, Rose's mother's name is Missy. And Missy is a nickname for a mistress that a slave, like, would call, like, their mistress Missy. Wow! And even her T, like, could represent, like, colonialism. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, my God. It's just amazing. Ooh. Um Dean holds that event that's terribly reminiscent of a slave auction, which that, is uncomfortable. That
1: was one of the most horrifying parts of this film. Yes. I, I could not even... I could not even... <laughs> I couldn't even.
0: <laughs> ah. Yeah. And um, Rose separating her milk from her Fruit Loops.
1: Just... That... Okay. That's... Yeah. Go ahead. I... I couldn't even. That's all I'm going to say. Like, it was just the epitome of that, like, stupid, preppy, gross, like, ugh. I was triggered. <laughs> triggered. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, Chris uses the cotton from the armchair to avoid being hypnotized. And that is an inverted symbol. And he uses that as a way to escape rather yes. than be a slave. Yes. Yes. And, of course, the deer. The deer is hit by the car, which is driven by Rose, and the innocent deer is linked to our protagonist, Chris, and its death by Rose is an omen for what is to come in the film. And the payoff is when Chris, tied to the chair, notices the dead deer head on the wall, but when he escapes, he uses the deer's antlers as a weapon to kill Dean Armitage, Rose's dad. Chris is not helpless. Okay, final thought. So Jordan Peele said in a 2017 interview for NPR, right before the film was released, he said, I think one of the big problems with how we talk about race, though, is us versus them. They're racist. I'm not. Unquote. And that goes back to Hudson, the blind art auctioner. Mm -hmm. And uh, continuing the quote by Jordan Peele, he says, this movie is not about this idea that white people are racist and no one else is, or that white people are villains, we all have issues to deal with in regards to race internally. Part of being a human being, unfortunately, is the urge to prejudge people. So I think the only way we can really approach this is to say, look, this is a human trait, and it's how we as individuals choose to deal with our own internal racism let's face it, that's our only way out.
1: Yeah. And again, going to that podcast that I mentioned earlier in the show, Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood, they actually, they kind of mentioned something similar to this in their episode where they talk about the themes in Get Out. And they talk about how white people are sometimes afraid to go into urban areas because it's like it's an unusual setting for them and they're It makes them uncomfortable. Right. But black people sometimes share that same sentiment in regards to being in white suburban areas where you don't see like any black people yeah and um the three guys who are on that podcast jonathan jarrah and james they all agreed that they've felt that way like when visiting friends or meeting the parents of their close white friends like it's not easy to feel safe in a place where historically people of your race have been threatened. It's yes. just, it's not, you know? So. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I mean, like, as terrifying as, like, the white suburbanites are in this film, the villain of the film is the system itself. Mm-hmm. its It's monstrous. And it's terrifying how we let this terrible terrible thing affect how we interact with each other Mm -hmm. and I mean to the point where it's almost irreversible going back to what you were saying earlier Mm -hmm. like it's just in our system
1: now well it took hundreds of years for us to get this far so it's gonna take probably hundreds of years into the future for us to really if we can even come out of it because the it was so atrocious what happened yeah that You know, who even knows? Nobody can put a time limit on that, really. Right. So,
0: well, that's it for this episode (laughs) of Good Morning Nancy. (laughs) Sorry to leave you guys all on that bleak note. I know. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Good Morning Nancy. Don't forget to check out our merch shop. We've got mugs and sweatshirts and t-shirts. So head on over to goodmorningnancy.com slash merch and click the shirt icon and that will take you right to our shop.
1: Yeah, and if you'd like some sweet extra content in your coffee, head on over to patreon.com goodmorningnancy, and for just a few bucks a month, you can receive some fun extra content like bloopers from our show, new horror movie and trailer reviews, video reviews, and so much more. And don't forget to leave a five-star review on your favorite
0: podcast app. It takes just a few minutes to rate and review our show, and it really helps us receive recognition, and it also helps new listeners who are interested in horror films find us.
1: Follow us on social media Twitter at Good Morning Nan, Facebook at Good Morning Nancy, and Instagram at Good Morning Nancy Podcast. Also, tell a friend, spread the word. We love you all to death. Have a great morning. Bye.